Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. It's good what God's doing, eh? You know, we're not meant to walk on our own. We're not meant to walk alone in terms of uh, the Christian life. We're meant to walk with one another, aren't we? And as we walk together, God works and moves in our hearts and lives. So we're going to look at... Uh, just carry on a whole theme that we're looking at at the moment, which is uh, being a year of breakthrough and breakout. And we're going to focus in on, on the relational side of our lives together and how that brings breakthrough and, and breakout. So uh, if you want to get your Bibles out, if you want to turn to John chapter 13, we're going to look at that. Some of the scriptures we're going to look at today are really familiar Scriptures, But I believe God wants to just highlight some things uh, in our lives so that our relationship or spiritual growth is not just vertically this way with God, but actually we grow spiritually as we relate to one another and as we share life together. And as we move forward together in relationship, it could be in a small group context as we, we were talking about just now. It could be in a friendship scenario. But, but together, we break through together. So, you know, often we get breakthroughs in our lives when we're walking together and not just on our own. So we're going to look at some scriptures uh, uh, through as we go through this morning. And uh, we're going to look at some real practical stuff as well. You know, how we relate to each other and some of the challenges that we face in relationships with one another. And how many of you love this sort of message? Because you know it's going to need some practical actions uh, and outworking. <clears throat> but we want to be real in our Christian life, right? The world doesn't necessarily want to know about all the knowledge that we have. What the world wants to know is, does it work? Does the Christian life work? And how is it different than any other philosophy or belief system or lifestyle or whatever? And so people want to know... Uh, you know, does it work? Is it real? What happens uh, if you say you know this uh, God as a living God and you have a relationship with him? So, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're at the beginning of the year, we, we talked a lot, especially in the prayer and fasting, about stepping up, about breakthrough and breakout. And whenever we make a decision in our lives to respond to what God is saying, then there's always pushback from the enemy. Anybody ever experienced that? Is anybody alive out there this morning? <laughs> just, uh, just nudge the person next to you, make sure they're awake. And uh, I don't mind how loud, how loud you shout and whatever. It'd be nice to know you're out there this morning. And I can't see a lot from up here, but uh, I know you're out there. So when, when we move forward, the enemy wants to push back. So what do we do in response? We keep moving forward. We keep pushing forward. So no matter what happens, uh, the enemy wants to make himself look bigger. As we heard from that, that uh, message that we had uh, about <clears throat> David, when he became, was anointed to be king, the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Rephaim. They wanted to make themselves huge. They wanted to make themselves look intimidating. And in that moment, he went into the stronghold, inquired of the Lord, heard what God said and then acted upon it and then he had victory over what was coming against him. So he had a victory but we know that, that uh, the Philistines came back again, spread themselves out again to intimidate him again. But what did he do? Again, he went into the stronghold, inquired of the Lord, God showed him what to do. He did what God showed him and then he had a victory over the Philistines. But this time, it wasn't just a victory in the moment. And then the enemy came back. It, the, in that story, it said that he chased them for about 25 miles and, until they were completely routed. That's the kind of victory that we have in our lives. That's the kind of God that we have in our lives, that he doesn't just want to give us victories in moments, but he wants to enable us to live in victory in our lives so that we are constantly seeing victory so that we can advance and go forward. How many of you are looking, for the day when Je- are looking forward to the day when Jesus is going to come back? Or if we die before then, you're going to be with him, right? And sometimes we think, oh, it's going to be awesome once we're there with him and it's just going to be amazing. Well, maybe it will be. I haven't got there yet, neither of you. And I don't know what that day is going to be like. But on the earth, while we're still here, I want to live in the same way now 
that, God, that we are going to live with God forever. You might say, well, that sounds a little bit unrealistic. If God is who he is and he is alive today and he is in us right now, then we can live now how we are going to live the other side of maybe death or the other side of Jesus coming. Because the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today and forever. So if this living God, who we know from the, you know, who he is, and we can look at a certain facet of who he is this morning, is in our lives today, then we can live now how we are going to live in time to come. We can live in that way today. We heard an amazing message from Pastor Colin a few weeks ago about uh, our, our old life being dead and now we're alive to a completely new life and how much we live in this life is down to how much we believe. Do you remember that? And how much we reckon ourselves dead is really down to how much we believe is really dead and buried and how much we really are alive in Christ now. Do you remember, anybody remember that message? Brilliant message. And that will relate into what we're going to be saying today. Because God has called us to be part of a body. We're connected together relationally and we all make up a part of the body in some way or other. Without any of us here, there'll be something missing in the life of the body. So every life here, every person here matters in God's purposes. Every one of us is here for a purpose and a reason. Your life matters. You're not a mistake. You're not here by chance. You're here by God's design, by God's plan and purpose. And you have a part to play in the body and therefore, everything within you, the giftings, the graces, God's hand, the anointing on your life is essential as part of what God has called us to be and who he's called us to be as a church, as a people. So no one here is greater or lesser than anybody else. It's easy to look in the natural and say, well, this person's more important than them or they're not as important. as." But actually, we're all important in the purposes of God. We might have, as Suki was saying, different giftings and the way that we express the heart of God and, and do the purposes of God or, or live out those purposes. But every one of us is important. There's no hierarchy here in terms of some people are more important than others. Every person matters. Every life is significant in the body here. We might have different roles and functions. I might have a different role and responsibility to you, but I've got to be faithful to fulfill that in the same way you have where you are. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, certain things won't happen. But if you don't do what you're supposed to do and be who you're called to be, other things won't happen. Because I can't do everything here and you can't do everything here. So God brings, as we heard, an eclectic bunch of people, different ages, backgrounds, different this, that and the others and he brings us together as a motley crew and he looks at us and he says, wow, what an amazing bunch of people. What an amazing body of people. What an amazing family of people. And he looks at us and he says, now, what can I do in and through these people? The Bible says that where two on earth agree about anything, there my father is with them. But it also says in, in Matthew 18 there, where two on earth agree about anything, then my father's going to do it. We'll see it outworked. So there are many more than two of us. So what can we see happen together when we believe and agree and are one together in terms of the purposes of God? So everybody just turn to the person next say, your life matters. Say, so you are important to the purposes of God in this church. <laughs> maybe say with a bit more conviction just turn at somebody next to you rather than a ho 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 maybe make it sound like you are important to the purposes of God in this church okay so when we push into God and when we push forward in terms of God's purposes, it sometimes brings some other things to the surface. Maybe some fears, some insecurities, some doubts, some unbelief and, and various things. And, and as we move forward in, in God, he wants to reveal more of who he is. So it's not that just we, 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 we live our lives and go forward in the purposes of God with the same revelation. As we go forward, he reveals more of who he is so that we live more fully in who we are in him. 
But we know that as, as we go forward, and as, as he'll, he'll always cause us to have to trust him, to live by faith, to move by faith, to respond with faith. When that happens, it sometimes raises different things on the inside of us. Anybody? So uh, some of our, our, our journey, you know, personal journey for me over the last few months, we're, we're organising this um, Jerusalem prayer breakfast in London uh, towards the end of May. And just some of that journey for, for me personally is the conversations that are going on behind the scenes uh, towards this event because we're, we're, we're bringing together Christian leaders and, and leaders from the Jewish community and from the, the Embassy of Israel into the same event together. It's not a Christian event that just has the embassy coming to it. It's an event where it's Christian leaders, Jewish leaders coming together, which, which doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen, okay? It's certainly not in this country. And so the amount of conversations that are going on behind the scenes and, the, and where those conversations are going into different um, places of authority and, and decision-making or whatever, uh, you, you find yourself in scenarios uh, talking on the phone to people or having to go to meetings uh, over one what we thought was going to just be a nice prayer breakfast at the end of May to celebrate 70 years of Israel and 50 years of Jerusalem uh, being reunited. And, you know, you know, send a few invites out. Everybody will come and we'll have a great morning for two, two and a half, three hours. It, it's turning into a bit of a mission. And, but what it's done, it's raised certain challenges and things in me. As you go forward, you, you, it, it's raised a few kind of fears or... or whatever, to do with having to relate to certain people in certain ways that, that in the natural you think, how on earth did I get into this moment in this meeting speaking to this person who I would, you know, and, and I, they're probably thinking, how on earth am I talking to this person as well? How did he get into my office or whatever? But you find yourself having to deal with um, people that aren't on the same wavelength or they don't necessarily understand where you're coming from and you have to have conversations there's a few misunderstandings along the way uh, because you're coming from different places but as you as you relate and talk and communicate and obviously we're in the background praying away uh, things come into order things come into alignment things come into agreement but some of that journey has been a bit bumpy and uh, I know at different times over the last couple of weeks in particular I've just felt such a pressure on the inside, and, and sometimes I've been like, God, why are we doing this? Are we, are we, is this really, I didn't think it would kind of go this way and everything. But yet, you know, when you push into new things, it, it brings stuff to the surface in you. And some of that, uh, uh, for me, has been, Father, do I really trust you in this? Because when you step into something new, you haven't been there before. But God will always cause you to step into something new, knowing that he's going to make sure you trust him in it. Because it's an area of growth and development in our lives. And so <clears throat> I found myself not just praying more in that sense, to, to, you know, but actually coming to God saying, Father, I feel totally out of my depth here. There's some things that are freaking me out, that, I'm, that are worrying me, I'm, I'm anxious about. So, and, and it's not just, uh, you know, certain things don't, I don't think, I don't worry about preaching on a Sunday or thinking about it. I don't get nervous. I'm not like all morning thinking, oh no, I've got to get up, you know, all of that, you know. <laughs> Maybe I used to be like maybe a long time ago, but there's other things now that God is getting us to do that for me are like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Um, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. But as you step into that, why? It's because there's a bigger picture going on in any of our lives in relation to what he wants to do, okay? So as we, as we go forward and as we relate and build relationships with each other, it's going to bring things to the surface, okay, and we want to deal with those things, but it's how we do that. So let's have a look at John 13, actually get into the Word, shall we? And uh, <coughs> rather than me just talk for a while. John chapter 13. And many of you will know these verses. Maybe some of you have never heard these before. But in the context of, of what Jesus is doing uh, with these guys, um, he's speaking and, and beginning to uh, kind of home in on what's going to happen to him in terms of going to the cross. There's a lot of chapters in John that are building through that from, as Dave mentioned last week, from chapter 11 onwards. And he's speaking here about uh, how Peter's going to deny him and everything. But he says here, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
So he starts here with, with a phrase. He says, a new command I'm, I'm giving you. Now, he had already kind of answered a question uh, to uh, some of the religious guys about summing up the law and the prophets. One was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And the other one was to love one another, love your, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? <clears throat> but then Jesus is kind of giving them a new command here, saying, uh, love one another in the same way that I have loved you. Now, the word command there means to give somebody a charge, okay? Or another word, actually, when I was looking at this, was to give a prescription, it's like, so God was saying, uh, Jesus was saying, I'm giving you a charge here. I'm giving you a prescription to, of how to live your life. Now, we all know that a prescription, a medical prescription, what it does, it enables you and helps you to become healthy. And so Jesus is saying here, hey guys, I want to give you a new command that's going to enable you to live healthy spiritually and live healthy with one another as a people So I'm giving you a charge, a prescription in the same way that I've loved you, in the same way you've seen me lay my life down for you, I want you to love one another. Now the word love there in in this verse, however many times it's used, is the word agape. The word agape here is, is, we're going to try and unpack this uh, in, in the next few minutes, but the word agape means the love of God and the love that comes from God. Agape is not born of emotion and it's not motivated by what is seen, which is eros love or desire or lust. So <clears throat> uh, it's not born of emotion, it's not motivated by what we see. But God's love is based and motivated on who he is, his nature. So God's nature is to love, it's an expression of who he is, an expression of his being. So love is really the essence of who he is. So what does agape actually mean? Agape actually means, or or one meaning, is charity. And the word charity means to live for the benefit of others before yourself. Or to live for the highest honour for somebody else rather than your own honour. Agape means to love the unlovable and the unlovely. It means to love what other people do not want to love. So in our, in our natural selves, we look at people, we look at scenarios, we look at situations, and there's some things that we struggle to love or give ourselves to. But yet Agape says that I love the unlovable and the unlovely. So agape is expressed towards us because before we knew God, we were unlovely and unlovable in ourselves. So before we knew Jesus, in and of ourselves, when God looked at us, we looked unlovely and unlovable because we were guilty before him as sinners. But yet agape looks beyond the outward, it looks beyond the unlovely, it looks beyond the unlovable and agape is expressed through action and for us God expressed his agape in the cross. So his love, his agape was expressed saying you deserve condemnation, you deserve complete separation from me, you deserve my judgment which is eternal separation from me. But agape says... No, as unlovely and as unlovable, I am not going to leave you there because agape is not based on our condition. Agape is based on his nature and his character. And so because his nature is to love, he must, he had to express his love to deal with the unloveliness and the unlovableness that we have in and of ourselves And he did that by hanging there on the cross and taking everything upon himself that was unlovable and unlovely, if we can use those words. And he hung there and he came the unlovable, unlovely one instead of us. The Bible says he became guilty so that we could become innocent. And that's when we cross from death to life. What does agape also say? Agape doesn't look the other way and say it doesn't matter. Agape looks and said, no, let's face what's going on and let's work through it and let's find a solution. Are you with me? We're going to get to us in a minute and the personal side of it. 
But when God's agape looked at mankind, he didn't look the other way and say, I'm not going to deal with that. I can't deal with that. Look at the way they've messed up. No, agape looks at the problem looks at the negativity, looks at the situation and say, it doesn't say, it doesn't matter. Agape looks and says, something's got to happen, something's got to change, something's got to move towards that to turn it from unlovely and unlovable to something that is accepted and becomes holy. And so that's what Agape did. Agape expressed, I'm going to do something, I have to do something, because Agape is motivated by the will and not by an emotion. So what is at the root of agape, of God's love? It's covenant. What does covenant really mean? Because in the Bible, the Bible talks about, I will never, never leave you and never, never, I know it says ever in there, never, ever leave you and never, ever forsake you. But actually, the the, the two words there should be never, never leave you and never, never forsake you. So it's like, a covenant agreement that God is making. What does covenant really mean? Covenant means three things. One is faithfulness. The second is commitment. And the third one is an act of the will. So God's agape, God's covenant love, God's covenant towards you and I, towards the world, is one of faithfulness, one of commitment, and one that was an act of his will. So if agape, if his love is rooted in his faithfulness, his faithfulness then is shown by his commitment of giving himself fully to us, which is because he acted from his will, because his nature is to love, and because his nature is to love, he had to do something to express that love towards us. Now, Romans chapter 5 Verse 5 says, Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit he has given us, we are not disappointed. So this same love that he expressed to you and I here and to the world that brought us from death to life over here, he then puts that same love on the inside of us to then enable us to love agape. Without his spirit and without his life in us, then we're going to try and work on, on work on love that is filio. Filio is brotherly love. It's natural love that we can have for one another. Or even we live on eros, which is kind of uh, emotionally, sexually driven, kind of lustful kind of love or expression uh, of feelings and emotion. But God knew that to, to say to us, a new command I give you, love one another, He knew that he was going to have to come and live in us to enable us to receive that same love that he loved with so that we could then love one another in the same way that he loved us. So when we give our lives to Christ, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, we then receive the nature and the character of God. Therefore, we receive the nature and the character of his love. So then we are enabled to love with agape, to love with faithfulness, to love with, with a commitment and to love from the will. So as believers now, it's possible to love one another, not motivated by what we see, not motivated by an emotion, but actually motivated with God's heart in us that he gives us the, his eyes for people and not just our natural eyes. I know some of you guys, you know, have a heart for different, say, different types of people, uh, different things that are going on out there in the world, and some of you are involved in different areas of ministry where uh, it might be towards the homeless or or towards prostitutes and and, and trafficking. Uh, it might be towards a certain area uh, in the community in different ways, and, and God puts His heart in us in specific ways. Now, we would all say we have a heart for the world, but in the same, at the same time, he gives us a heart for something specific because he wants to express his love in a very specific way to a certain group of people or into a certain area of need or whatever. And so his love in us, he motivates us to be an expression of his heart, his hands, his feet, whatever, 
in a particular scenario. But all of that flows from who we are as a people, from the nature and the character of God in us and amongst us, from being a body of people, a body of love. So, when Jesus says, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another, that means we're reliant on his love in us to enable us to love in that way. I believe one of the things that God loves to do, uh, I say maybe that's, I don't know if it's the right phrase, but God loves to do is he puts people in our lives and around our lives that can challenge us. Uh, We all have different personalities, we're all different characters and everything. And I know over the years, um, different people that have been around our lives, mine and Jane's lives, can be challenging at times. Now, some of that can be because they are a challenging person. There's, area, there's things in their life that need sorting out. Therefore, they are a challenge because of what's going on, okay? Um, and, and there's those things that can be in any of our lives, right? <clears throat> but there's, in a healthy way, I believe God puts people around our lives and in our lives to help us, to shape us, to disciple us. So when, when Jan and I first moved back here, 25 years or however many years ago it was, and the church started and, and we were heading up the youth ministry at the time, the first two or three years at a church, we had, an, we had uh, some guys on the youth team that were uh, amazingly gifted guys in terms of uh, preaching, teaching, uh, prophetic stuff, worship leading, creative, different guys with different skills and giftings and, and with quite strong personality types as well. And I was, I was leading that team and I felt challenged by some of these guys just by the way they were. And one of these guys at the time, I was about 24, 25, something like that. And one of these guys was about 20, about four or five years younger than me. He was an amazing preacher, even at that age, amazing. And you'd ask him to speak to the young people and I'd be sitting there going, man, that was, that was amazing. Just the, the revelation, the content, the, all of that. And I thought, wow, he's a, miles, he's a much better preacher than, than I am. And, uh, but there were other areas of his life that I was thinking, man, he needs some help with this and that. There was another guy that had an amazing prophetic gift and he could literally read people's mail. He could tell people just about everything going on in their lives and everything. It was amazing. And he was a couple of years younger than me, and, uh, but amazing prophetic gifting. And you, you see the way he operated with the young people. He was calling them out and prophesying over them and doing this, that and the other. And I was going, wow, that's, a, that's, that's amazing. And thinking, well, I can prophesy, but not like that at all. And then there was another guy who was gifted prophetically and preaching, but also was really creative musically and, and all that kind of stuff. And quite a strong personality type. And I, one day I said to the Lord, I said, God, why on earth am I leading this team? All these guys are, are, are far more gifted and anointed than I am. This guy's an amazing preacher. This guy's an amazing this. That one's an amazing the other and all of that. And, and God said, to, he spoke to me in the middle of that. And he said, Clive, he said, I've called you to be who you are. You can preach a bit. You can prophesy a bit. You can lead a bit. You can do this a bit, this, that and the other. And he said, that's who you are. And what I, wanna, what I want you to do is release people that are more specifically gifted in certain areas. They might not have all of that you know, to do this, this and this, but they might be really strong in two areas or, or here or here or here. And so if, you, if you're comfortable in your own skin as to who I've called you to be, then you're not going to be intimidated by somebody else's gifting or anointing or personality type or how they are. Uh, but actually you can see this is who you are and this is who they are. So you can be secure in that, that you don't have to be them like them or, or even as a person, you don't have to be bombastic like that person. That means, you know, bombastic means like, boom, kind of personality, you know. And uh, you don't have to be like that. You can be who you are. And so for, for a few months, God was using these guys 
to challenge me and, and shape some of that because uh, one of them in particular was, was always saying to me, you know, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to do the other. And, and he even said to me one day, um, you know, it, six months ago, you know, we made this decision about the umpire. I said, yeah. He said, well, if it was my decision, I'd have made it like this. And by now, this and this would be happening, not this. And I'm like, wow. Under my breath, I thought, you arrogant little thing. But um, I didn't say that to him. I said, uh, I said, brilliant. I said, well, when you're leading something one day, you'll find out that maybe when you decide one thing, it doesn't exactly work out how you think it's going to, but you'll discover that for yourself, mate. And uh, but I said it in love. And... Um, and a uh, little while later, he actually ended up going somewhere, leading something. And uh, a couple of years down the road, he phoned me up and he said, can we have a chat? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm really struggling. I said, what's up? And he said, um, he said well, I came here two years ago and I had all this vision and I inspired all these young people. And I said this, this and this. And we'll be going for two years. And by now, I thought we we're going to have loads of young people saved and doing this, this, this. He said, it's turned out nothing like it. I'm like, oh, right. And he goes, yeah, he said, oh, I don't know. I said, Dave, I, 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 sorry, I shouldn't say the name. I said, mate, I said, uh, I said, do you remember a conversation we had about two and a half, three years ago? And we had about this, no. And I said, you said to me, if I'd made the decision, this and this would happen, we'd have been here, here and here. And he goes, no, I don't remember that at all. I'm like, well, you did, mate. And um, I said, mate, I said, you just need to learn some stuff. I said, you live driven. And God doesn't want you to live driven. He wants you to live led. And if you live led, you're going to see the things happen that are in your heart. But if you live driven, you're going to try and make it happen in your own strength. And it just won't happen, you know. And <clears throat> I found myself during that period of time as well, having to sit down with some of these guys at different points. And, and God was showing me things about their character and about their person, you know, that needed to be spoken into. And some of those were the hardest things I had to do, conversations I had to have with people. Because I'm like, God... You know, and uh, but yet the fruit that came from it was amazing because we had relationship, we had friendship and we had a context in which to speak into each other's lives. And I said to them as well during that time, I said, hey, look, if you see things in my life where you think, hey, Clive, you've got some blind spots there or you don't see certain things, then, then speak to me as well. Because I'm not perfect, there's areas that I need to grow and there's things that you have in your life that are going to help shape what's happening in, in my life. So I need you to speak into my life. Just because I was the leader in that scenario didn't mean that everything goes, has to go that way. Actually, they had some things that they spoke into my life and challenged me with because I needed their input in the same way. But I had to be humble enough to hear it from them to say, hey, Clive, you know when you said this, yeah, well, it came across like that. Oh, did it? Yeah, and, and it was things that I didn't realise that I needed them to help shape me in terms of my growth and, and development. Are you, are you with me? So in terms of loving one another, okay, we can look at all the kind of blessing each other and giving to each other, but I believe there's a level of relationship that God, has get, God is getting us on and moving in our lives where, where there's a depth of openness and honesty where we don't take a position on something in our lives and say, well, I, I've sorted that or I'm right and I'm not going to listen to anybody else. But actually, we need to live in a way where we're open to somebody else saying, hey, can I have a chat with you? Can we talk? And, and, and do you, are you aware of, do you see? Now, that's the kind of relationships that we, we want to have and we want to grow deeper in our, in our lives together. Because as we move forward together, the enemy's only going to come back at us. And what is the main tactic of the enemy? It's to divide and then conquer. He wants to divide, separate and cause hassle and problems, okay? So the most important thing in our relationships, one, is communication. Where we talk, we're honest, we're open. Some, what, some, many of you have been through freedom. We've got 120 people going through freedom at the moment. We've got an amazing freedom encounter coming up uh, in a few weeks' time in the middle of May. It's going to be amazing what God does over that weekend. But what does freedom do? It helps us open up our lives to one another and what God is doing. We heard from Eric and Lloyd, you know, what's happening in, in their lives and, and what's happening with some of the guys that are in that context. And... and 
in this whole kind of context, what, what do we need? One, we need a revelation of God's love for us. Because when there's a revelation of God's love, fear runs, fear goes. Because God's perfect love casts out all fear. So when there's a revelation of his love, suddenly there's a confidence and, and a courage that grows. Because, you know, man, I'm accepted, I'm loved. I'm not, God's love is not conditioned by my performance. It's based on his nature and his character and who he is. And so therefore, if God loves us in that way, with a faithful love, a committed love and from the will, then he puts his spirit in us to enable us to love one another in that way. So when, when we love one another, there's two things that are going on all the time in relationships. One is reaction and the other is response. So in relationship with each other, things are going to happen sometimes that maybe cause a bit of a reaction, a bit of a buffer moment. You know, if I had another bloke up here, we could, you know, chest it with each other. And... And we have those buffer moments where somebody says something, somebody does something, and, and we have a reaction. And in those reactions, sometimes we can get a bit defensive. Anybody ever done that? Or is it just me? Okay. But what are we doing when we're being defensive? We're actually being defensive-aggressive. Because we're, we're taking a position on something. Somebody said something or done something, so we get upset or we take offence. And, and we, we start to defend you know, uh, our, our own lives, and we get... You know, and we, we begin to react or we get angry or, or, or whatever goes off on the inside of us. But my question when that happens in my own life is, is not first of all to look at the other person and say, you've done this, you've said that, and put the blame on them. It's actually to say, hang on a minute, why am I reacting like this? What's going off on the inside of me? So why am I getting agitated now with this person? Why am I getting annoyed on the inside? Why am I starting to think about them and think, I wish they'd just shut up and, and uh, sort of go away or whatever? Um, why am I getting angry? Why am I getting annoyed? What's going off on the inside of me? So that's the first port of call is why am I reacting and not responding? So <clears throat> we have to shine the light on ourselves first of all. And ask ourselves a question, what is a, a, about this person that is annoying me or winding me up? What is happening on the inside of me? Okay. Pastor Colin brought this amazing word a few weeks ago about that uh, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So when I have a reaction to something, my first question is, what is not dead in me at that, this moment that I'm reacting to? Because if I no longer live, and it's Christ that lives in me, no matter what somebody says or does or whatever, then I have a response, not a reaction. Because if somebody says or does something that is annoying me, winds me up or is, or is, or is accusing or, or, or coming against me or whatever, then it's like that, that resp- if, I'm, if I'm, I no longer live, but it's Christ that lives in me, then my first response should be mercy which is forgiving or gracious, giving people the benefit of the doubt or going the extra mile. Response is a bit more level-headed. Right, hang on a minute. All this is going on. Before I erupt like a volcano, actually, hang on a minute. Right, just, just take stock for a moment. What's going on here? What's happening? And even then, it's like, okay, have I done anything then? What have I done possibly that is, that's triggering something in them? to be doing something towards me. So it's not just have a good response, it's still all their problem, I've just got a nice response to them now. But is there anything I'm doing that is actually annoying them, causing them problem or hurt them or or causing something going off on the inside of them that they're coming at me in the way that they are? So even in the response, it's not, well, I'm going to be merciful, still their fault, uh, I'm going to be gracious, it's still their problem. And uh, I'm going to be level-headed, because they're an idiot. I mean, it's, it, you, you're just having a very controlled response, but not really dealing with what might be going off on the inside of you. Are you with me? It's easy to live life saying, everybody else is the problem, I'm all right. You know? None of us are perfect. None of us have sussed everything, okay? We all have blind spots. 
And we need one another to point out those blind spots. If you're married and you're a bloke, how, have you, how many blokes you found out your wife is the best person to point out all your blind spots? <laughs> Has anybody ever discovered that? Any blokes in the room that are married? Your wife is a great blind spotter. <laughs> but we need that because we all have them. And one of the great things uh, about having a response is you have to humble yourself. The difference between reaction and response is humility. Because I'm, I'm, I know I'm not right all the time. I know you know I'm not right all the time. <laughs> Just most, no. Um, but I can't take a position in my life and say, I am set now and I'm sorted. Even in the way that we handle truth and God's word, we still don't take a position in our lives that says, I've got revelation on that, I've got understanding on that, so that's it. Because even Jesus in John chapter 12, if you read John 12 verses 48 to 50, in there he says, that he only says the things his father gives him to say, but then what we do is we often miss off the last few verses in that verse that that, that then says, and how to say them. And so how our hearts are towards one another is so, so key in terms of how we actually agape one another, how we love one another in our our lives, okay? And, And I think sometimes God puts people around our lives to actually press some buttons in us in a good way to help bring some stuff to the surface, to help, you know, I think sometimes, uh, uh, I think in God's discipleship class, I think God sometimes brings people around us to press our buttons to cause a bit of reaction, to show us, actually, uh, I need need God uh, to work with me to deal with that and to sort that so that I don't react, but I respond. Are you ready? to pray. Let's just stand together, shall we? The time's kind of gone. Just as you're standing, just close your eyes for a moment. When we react, what are we doing? We're being selfish, uh, defensive. We're taking a position. Sometimes when we react, we're blaming. It's not my fault, it's yours. Sometimes we react out of insecurities and fear. You know, when you have a revelation that somebody loves you, or, or God loves you initially but you know that somebody loves you, there aren't insecurities and fear. So for me, I know that my wife loves me, no matter how much dad dancing I do at home sometimes. And my kids love me, even though I can be a bit of an idiot with them. I'd never do that in front of you lot, but at home, knowing that it doesn't matter how I am, they're still going to love me. They might go, oh, dad, you know, don't do that. But, um, and there's things you have to talk about in a relationship that sometimes aren't easy, because there's misunderstanding or you have to talk through stuff and you think, right, but actually if we come at it from a place of agape, we don't come at it from a set position of I'm right and you've got to convince me somehow or other if there's another way. When, when we embrace it with each other, we come humbly towards one another saying, I want to learn from you. I want to be inspired by you. There's things that God is doing in you that are, is going to help me grow in God. There's things happening in me that are going to help you grow in God. It's, it's a partnership together, whether it's in marriage, whether it's in friendship, whether it's in a small group. It's how we share and do life together where, where we don't, we're not so set in our hearts. We know what we believe, but that doesn't mean we take a set position on that and, and, and come across like, you know, I don't care what you, you know. Sometimes when we react, it's, it's because we're, we're saying I'm right. It's pride or even self-righteousness. Sometimes we react because there's more self-concern and I, I don't know how to deal with that. And so I'm going to, you know, we, 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 we pull back because we don't know how to handle what's going on. There's more self-concern and we react inwardly. We implode, if you like. We might not explode out. We might implode in. But yet agape enables us to be humble, merciful, gracious. Level-headed, if I can put it that way, use that phrase. We take stock, we just stop for a moment. Before we allow something just to be triggered, we just take stock and say, right, hang on a minute, 
what's going on in me right now? I want to make sure that my response here is tempered mercy, grace, kindness, patience, gentleness, the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. So let's just, as we stand before the Lord in the next couple of moments, firstly, just if you're married, thank the Lord for your husband or your wife. Whatever friendships you have, thank him for your friends, the relationships that you have. Whatever small group you're in, thank him for those that are in your small group. The leaders that might be leading you in whatever context, thank him right now for the leaders that speak into your life, that encourage and and help with direction in your life. Whatever the context, just thank him for those around you. Now, now just thank him that you have the spirit of love. We're not trying to get something that we don't have. If you, if, you, if you know Jesus, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the spirit of love today. And what God wants to do is, is continue to work in our hearts and lives so there's a release of that love more and more. And that's what we want. Father, I want to surrender afresh to you so that there's a release of your agape, so there's a release of your faithfulness, your commitment, that from the will. But I don't want to be a reactor, I want to be a responder. I don't want to be a reactor, I want to be a responder. In the same way that you have shown me mercy, I want to be merciful to others. In the same way that you're gracious to me, because I don't get it right, Father, all the time, I want to be gracious to others. In the same way you're faithful to me, I want to be faithful to others. You're patient towards me, I want to be patient with others. You're kind towards me, I want to be kind towards others. You love me with an unfailing love, I want to be like that with others. Holy Spirit, I cannot do this without you. I'm totally dependent on you, Holy Spirit. This is the life of faith that he's called us to. He's not saying today, now go and try and do this in your own strength. He's like, you can't. We can't love in the way we've been taught about today in our own efforts. It has to be God in us, his spirit, his life in us. Maybe some of you here today, you don't know Jesus. You've never responded to him. You might have reacted to him a few times and got upset and annoyed, all this Christian stuff, God, this, that and the other. But maybe you've never responded to him. Because response requires humility to humble ourselves. And to respond to give our lives to Jesus means we have to humble ourselves and realise I haven't got it all right. I'm not going to get it all right. And actually, without God... There's some stuff that I need to get sorted in my life. But we've seen this morning that his love towards us is faithful, unfailing. And some of you here today, you might not know Jesus and you might be saying, hey, Jesus, I want to respond to you today. I want to humble myself and I want to surrender to you and I want you to come and be Lord of my life. I want you to be number one in my life. If that's you today, just wherever you are, let's just take a moment and we'll just respond together and pray. And you, you, it's not a flashy prayer that enables you to respond. It's just simply from your heart to God saying, God, I'm here. I don't know you, but I want to know you. There's stuff in my life that needs sorting, but more than that, I actually want to know you. So I want to surrender everything. I want to humble myself today. And I want to take a first step towards giving my life to you and giving you everything of who I am and that I have. So I want you to be Lord today of my life. Father, I just pray right now for anybody here that doesn't know you that is at that moment and their heart's pounding, everything's going off in them and it's like, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. That You might not understand everything about this this morning but you know you need to take that first step. So Father, I just pray right now that you enable each person to take that response and that first step towards you today. I thank you for what you're doing right now in people's hearts and lives. Father, I thank you for the rest of us, the spirit of love. Just maybe raise your hands this morning and just thank the Lord for the spirit of love that he just releases afresh into you. 
where there might be insecurities, fears of what others think, or maybe there is a bit of self-righteousness and, and, and a bit of pride in there, saying, well, I've taken a position on things, or I've caused angst in another friendship or in my marriage because I've just taken a position on something. Maybe you just need to say, Father, I ask you to forgive me. I want to just, I want to humble myself right now before you, but I also need to go and humble myself before somebody else or other people and say, hey, I just want to get this right with you. I'm really sorry for the way I spoke to you, treated you, dealt with this or that, or the way I've been. I ask you to forgive me right now. I tell you, your friendship and relationships, if you do that, will be amazing when you, know, when you go and humble yourself towards somebody else because you actually find somebody else said, well, you know what? I'm really sorry for the way I've been and I've upset you and I've done this, that and the other. It's amazing the strength and depth and the health that comes from just humbling ourselves before one another. The strength that brings into your relationship, the strength that that brings into the life of the body, it's, it's arm in arm, it's amazing. The enemy goes, I hate that, I hate that because he sees how strong relationship is in the body when it's working right. So Father, I thank you for your grace for any of us that need to sort anything out. Go and apologise, say sorry and humble ourselves with somebody else, whoever that might be, in our families or friends or whatever scenario. Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your awesome name. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just maybe ask the Holy Spirit for the wisdom you need and whatever you need to go and sort something out or whatever you might need for that scenario. Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in me to lead, God. Give us the wisdom and the courage to sort things out with people. I thank you, Father. Love one another. In the same way that I have loved you, you must love one another. That agape love. I know there's a lot of stuff that people do for each other in the body, serving, giving, blessing, providing, all sorts. It's amazing what goes on. We want to make sure there's no chink in the armour, as it were. There's no cracks, you know, in the floorboards, as it were. So, Father, we praise your name. We exalt your name. We thank you, Jesus. Just quickly, before we finish this morning, some of you need some physical healing, wherever you are now. Uh, just, just, if you need some physical healing, just raise uh, one of your hands right now. Raise your hands before him. Father, I thank you for the release of health and life into people's bodies right now. Right now. The Holy Spirit is laying hands on people. I know we could do that in the meeting, but the Holy Spirit is laying hands on people, bringing healing into bodies, healing into bones, healing into blood, healing into skin right now, healing into digestive systems, healing into muscles, for, into joints now. Thank you, Father. Healing into respiratory things in people's lungs and bodies. Father, I thank you. Healing right now, health and wholeness. We just release that right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God's healing grace right now. Aches and pains leaving, cycles of sickness being broken right now in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your life and health and wholeness being released into people's bodies in your mighty name right now. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's thank the Lord, shall we? Give him a, just praise him. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.